past four, if you've just joined us, good morning on this Monday, the 20th of December, Sound Awake, festive season edition. Hey, we're saying goodbye to 2021 just now. So as we do that, we also navigate difficult social questions this festive season. So many of us have made the trek home and taken some well-deserved time off. Maybe that's why you're not talking to us on WhatsApp, fam. Why are you so quiet on WhatsApp today? But I'm seeing tweets, tweeting, and also our SMS uh, are quiet, our SMS lines. So some of us have arrived uh, to warm welcomes and hours of storytelling about the year that was with our families. But some people have experienced comments about their weight, how the city has treated them, and how the city has treated us well. Others have faced the pressures of answering intrusive questions on partners, getting married, or having children. How do we navigate these social questions surrounding adulting and not internalize some of the unsavory responses we may get from our families? Let's talk about it. Tabang Mashiko, Mindset Coach and Wellness Facilitator, joins us to help us uh, through this. Tabang, good morning to you and thanks for making time for us. Uh, thank you so much, Asanda. Blessed morning to you and, of course, uh, the listeners that are tuned in. Some of us uh, are lucky in that we have open-minded families. I'm one of those people. When I go home, I can relax. I know I'm not going to get these type of questions. And when I do get them, I know that my response will be accepted and welcome. But not everyone is as lucky. So what are the questions, first of all, that can be difficult social questions? We, we touched on in our introduction uh, about getting married and having children. Mm. Well, I think... Let's start here, Sander. You probably are 10% of the lucky ones that have uh, open-minded families and are privileged in that regard to be accepted. Mm. Uh, A lot of the times people are fighting uh, the fear of having conversations that are most difficult, right? So my first thing would be, before I can answer your question and saying, what are the kind of questions that could rise up in these family setups? How could we use conversations as an opportunity to facilitate social change within our families? So a lot of questions that would come up, of course, are not just when are you getting married, um, when are you having kids? For some, it's when are you getting a damn boyfriend? As it could be, you know, your, your child is a problem. What are you going to do about it? Because we are also faced with matters around supporting our family beyond the call of duty. Uh, for others, it's when are you going to give us more money? Mm. Or when are you going to give us money? Period. You know, um, for others, it could be when are you getting a new job? There's just so many things. But the whole point of the matter is how can these questions or how can your answers, even the conversations that are going to come for your answers, one, facilitate that social change, two, also how can they help you engage your emotions better with your family? Others could be when are you losing weight mm. or when are you gaining weight? Family sometimes feels obliged to interfere into your personal life without being invited. And this is where we exercise emotional intelligence. Mm. And to not say, ah, well, I have a problem with that statement. 
where we accept uh, not only foul, I wouldn't say language, but foul dialect. And I say foul by not meaning, you know, a, a language that is uh, when you someone is swearing at you, but foul is in, it insults you. It's harsh. It offends your emotions, right? It's harsh to take in. And most of the time, you've got to mentally prepare yourself to face the very same Rahad who's going to ask you uh, that same question or that uncle who's going to ask you that same question. Also about channeling and teaching them how to treat you using those conversations as a stepping stone and as an opportunity to more change the direction to say, actually, these are my boundaries and you don't cross this line. I'll stop there, Sander, just to mm. allow you to lead the conversation. No, no, it's it's a great uh, overall uh, picture that you've given us. But let's go deeper then in, in some of the points that you, you mentioned. Sure. How we can use the, the conversations that come up to either open up or not open up uh, based on our, on our choices. And you talk about facilitating social change. This social change, is it going to be more of, you know, on a bigger scale where we say, let's change things, how how things are done in terms of how we generally are in our environments, or should we be more family-focused? So whatever the traditions were, whatever, as you say, you know, the issues of Uno Rakhari is like that, Uyalo, Uantunjalo, that's how they speak and it's okay and not okay, those, those types of things in terms of challenging them. So the social change, is it within the family more? Or, or, or the environment generally that we must be looking at when we're saying let's use these conversations to facilitate that? Definitely in within our families. Remember, um, when we look into deeper aspects of psychology, we also find that uh, there's something that we call primary and secondary socialization. I'm trying not to intellectualize the conversation because mm-hmm. uh, it's like 4.30 in the morning and people are saying, where's this thing? Can you figure out the point? How do I deal? No, my cool. Yeah. Go, go, and, and we'll go, get go, that, go, but we need, we need to touch on everything. Sure. Yeah. Sure. sure. I'm, just, I'm just on a lighter note. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an aside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, personally, for me, the first thing you, you, you ask yourself is what are the factors that bring your loved ones together? And of course, when we speak about the social change, we're speaking about within a family space. And on my point earlier, I was saying there's something that we call primary and secondary socialization. So primary socialization is when we see that our values and our principles that basically encompass the people that we are or contribute to our identity is learned from our parents within our family uh, and also school. And of course, besides parents, I mean, anyone that can step in as a parent could be a guardian, right? Secondary socialization, uh, you look at the church and you also look at uh, schooling. You also look at, as you age or grow up, the working environment. So of course, being a human being is very difficult because Wherever you are, you are questioned about who you're meant to be or questioned why you are the way you are. Uh, Some of the questions that might arise is maybe people are starting to be more open about their sexuality. And you're then asked, why are you gay or why are you lesbian? Uh, uh, um, So these changes, when we say they must happen within the, the family, we need to then, one, interrogate what are the factors that bring our loved ones uh, together? 
as opposed to things that divide us as relatives. Uh, so we need to find common interests and uh, shared hobbies. Also have, uh, you know, alternative topics or conversation starters that could be brainstormed uh, in advance mm. to ensure that, of course, we don't have as much conflict, right? So I just have literally three to five nuggets that I could offer mm. in, in navigating this. The first is set conversational boundaries. There's nothing wrong. You know, it's not about yeah. what you say, Asanda. It's how you say it and how you make people feel as a result. And, and this is where conflict management and emotional intelligence is applied. So sometimes what causes, a, you know, emotions to erupt, it's our approach. So approach is very critical mm. uh, in setting conversational boundaries. It's okay to say, uh, no man, uh, to, I'm not willing uh, to talk about this in the setup. Or something as light as, no, don't stress you know, mm. just uh, in six months' time or whatever, just to deviate uh, discussions, right? And also, secondly, uh, in how to navigate difficult conversations is to then prepare de-escalation tactics. And what do I mean by that? So if something has started quite broadly and you're expecting it, we're not going to lie and say there's a boyfriend where there's no boyfriend or there's a girlfriend where there's no girlfriend. Let's uh, try to simmer it down, you know, Use case studies, use examples within the family setup uh, or maybe an example of the person that is confronting you to say, are you asking me when I'm getting married? What about you? Maybe you should lead us, you know, lead the way. Uh, Is that not shots fired there? (laughs) (laughs) It's good fires over wine, right? It's a de-escalation tactic because then when the focus is on you, you're going to reduce the focus on me. You know, um, so mm. of course there are different ways to um, to to water a fire down. For me, the, the third is then focus on fun family tradition. So I think a lot of the time we take for granted that um, Christmas and your Easter's and all these family gatherings are very difficult time uh, because of the nuances that exist within our families. Mm. Some of us, a family is not a comfortable place. Uh, it reminds us of pain. It reminds us of hurt. Uh, some people, your family is your friends over your own blood. And that's when you say, wow, is water truly thicker than blood uh, in this instance? So the concept even of family, we got to uh, interrogate that to say, what is family and what does it represent? It's a place of love. It's a place where you feel valued. It's also a place where you want to be vulnerable and feel secured. And in, in, in modern, in inverted commas, day South Africa, it's not that because we've got to decolonize uh, a lot of things that were inherited uh, from colonialism, which have made us define uh, family as a nucleus of either a man or woman, or there's a man and woman and a child, or there's children. Now family could be just two people who just love each other. Mm. A lot of um, uh, concepts around relationships are coming up. So be that as it may, how do we focus on or even create uh, fun family traditions? So you can start with having uh, pals, you know, to say, okay, guys, we in budget, the budget is probably 200 grand or 300 grand or 500 grand per gift or whatever. And you, I'm pairing you with this person and so forth, you buy this person a gift. And how about on Christmas, the very person that you're buying a gift 
uh, you say great things about them, you know, even if they're not the, the best of people. But we, we instill the spirit of appreciation. We instill a different trend, a different culture. And uh, the last one is suggest alternative topics. You mm. know, it's okay, as I said earlier on, set boundaries and say, look, uh, actually, uh, I can't answer this uh, right now or I need to quickly go to the kitchen or whatever. Just in a very, because it should be fun. It should be a happy moment. And um, we, we, we need to take that to our advantage instead of being mm. victimized or feeling victimized. Thereof. These are very helpful, very, very helpful. Let's just go back then in terms of the auntie or the uncle or, or the mom or the grandma who's a bit harsh. In, in not demonizing this particular person, you know, and, and trying mm. to also strike a balance while we're not trying to de- uh, demonize them, also, uh, you know, realizing that it's not okay also in terms of how we are left feeling, as you say, uh, mm. setting boundaries. So I guess that's where right. that emotional intelligence will come in as well, because we also shouldn't be approaching them like they are these demons, right? They're people. Maybe they mm. mean well if someone is commenting on how you've gained weight, for example. I don't know about meaning well when I stand up. I mean, feeling But then that is the thing. <laughs> how, yeah, how do we strike the you. balance, and how do we know, you know, whether this oh, person yeah. does really mean well, or they just sure. being silly and, and, I guess, being bitter? You know, it's not nice when it's said to you, but I think also learning not to take things extremely personal is very important. Mm. Uh, training yourself to say. Um, you know, I have a list of people whose opinion truly matters to me. There is nothing wrong <laughs> uh, with that. So mm. if Umakulu or Urahadi or that says something to me that doesn't sit well, actually in this context, yeah, they mean well, but I don't really take them seriously. Um, because they bear in mind that we come with our own sensitivities, yes. number one. Number two, we have the adult that you are in terms of your choices tells me about the traumas that you have been through. So there's a lot of things that people say that could be a trigger to you. Mm. So what I would then suggest is learn how to, one, acknowledge your triggers, and two, learn how to personally manage them because you have a locus of control, which is your internal well-being that no one else has access to but you. So your locus of control then says, I will not allow external environments to impact or influence me. Mm -hmm. They can trigger me, but I have my limits. So self-management and self-awareness is critical in in, in this moment because, you know, Asanda, we can take these conversations for granted, but I tell you, Sometimes Christmases end so badly. People end up, you know, um, beating up each other. People end up leaving early. Mm. It ends up being violent in front of the kids. Families don't talk to each other. So the only person that you can control and manage is yourself. And uh, therefore, you've got to understand what is the trigger. For example, I'll give you a very simple example just to bring it home. Um, I just lost my mom and my grandmother in July, same month, four hours apart. Sorry, I... Thank you so much, but you know what? I'm actually just a percentage of so many other South Africans mm. that have been through the situation. We've lost so much this year um, that I believe we, we are virgins of loss. You know, we, we're learning forgiveness in so many different ways. Mm. And uh, the very same place that we should be 
sort of vulnerable and open up to is the place that actually kills us, you know, uh, which is family. It's the place that uh, uh, emotionally they try by all means to destroy us. And I'm going to say this harshly to say, if it means you must avoid, then do that. Because if that is good for your well-being, then continue with doing that. But there are people who just during this time are looking at, <laughs> you know, or mm. what can we get from you? Uh, and they forget what you need. Um, mm. So it's also avoidance is also, there's nothing wrong uh, with that. So let's talk about that also expensive. a bit more mm. because mm. there have been a lot of deaths and loss due to COVID-19. We know that we can't run away from that from 2020 yeah. and this year. And again, mm. I mean, my con- uh, sincere condolences for you, Tabang. So can we then maybe expect that we'll be more sensitized because of this fact that we've dealt with so much loss and death and and just focus on then what's more important, really? We can. We, we definitely can. But once again, there are just... Um, that's why I, I mentioned aspects of avoidance because they really are... You, you can't control what people say to you and you can't control how people react or even respond to you um so but we also can't avoid the impact of what this year has been to all of us so one way or another the person that you think might be your enemy in your family might actually not be that because Mm. they probably touched uh, by the death of your mother or by the death of your aunt and so forth so loss has a way of or rather let me say grief is very complicated, but it also has a way of bringing people together. So that's also another way to sort of harness and, and divert and say, actually, guys, let this year or rather let this Christmas be different. Mm. We've all been through a lot. Some people lost their jobs. Others lost their children, you know. Uh, we've just been surrounded by pain. But pain brings a certain element of promise in your life. And hence I said maybe engaging with how can we de-escalate factors that could, you know, raise emotions and so forth, mm. Ex- exercising those tactics, or even doing icebreakers, let it be fun, you know. Let's try and be creative to see to say, how can we spend the season differently because of what we've been through? What are, in, what are the initiatives that we can bring into the family uh, to, to engage and to appreciate everybody? How about we, we go to a a different place, uh, you know, uh, spending at our grandmothers or at our aunts and so forth, changing the environment, you yes. know, making sure that everyone is invited or saying, okay, guys, you bring this dish, I'll bring that dish, and, and uh, you know, the best dish wins, something like that. So, And another um, thing that oh, could arise also, I mean, uh, financial contributions over the years, so certain families have this where they have a sort of stock fell within the family where from mm-hmm. January until the end of the year, there's a, a kitty that everyone puts a certain amount on. We talk about the difficulties of people having lost their jobs and having to now, you know, stretch whatever their finances are to other things. Mm-hmm. How do we navigate through those difficult questions that can arise as a result mm-hmm. of those financial contributions not being adhered to or not being adhered to consistently by some members? But still, now we're getting together at the end of a year and everyone is expected to benefit equally. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. So I'll start by saying this: you know, pain has a way of um, recurring, especially if you don't capitalize on its intention and its purpose. So why do certain things 
uh, happen. And I think this is where it also provokes being clear and being honest. Mm. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, guys, I'd love to join you, but in, in Mexico is different than Goku, you know. Things are different, things have changed. it is tight, you know, putting things in a lighter note if you don't want people to really interfere in your personal space. Remember, you can't control the response that comes outside of you. So, if there are insults or they are, you know, people, young people will say, hey, this one is being spicy. It's being spice that's being added here and there. Mm. There's nothing wrong with them um, confessing or speaking to a confidant of the family to say, you know, things are a bit tough can be actually club in together. And if there's a complete situation where you're ridiculed or your vulnerability, then it's okay to take a step back and say, "Can it actually?" Hmm. I think we've lost Tabang there. The line is a bit bad. It's it, it's it cracked a bit. Can you hear me, Hi, Tabang? Thunder? Okay, you there? Okay. I can hear you, hundred percent. I don't know um, what you've missed um, from the conversation. Yeah, I think... But I was saying... Yeah? Yes, you, you go on. No, I was just saying that it's it's okay to find a person, a confidant in the, fa- in the family, where you can engage uh, with your vulnerabilities or where you feel a bit secured to say, how about we club in? You know, somebody who might know and understand your situation, your financial situation. Um, and, and remember once again... If you feel uh, deprived of that security in the space that you find yourself in, it's also okay to say, no, guys, unfortunately, we're taking this avenue this year. We won't be around uh, or we'll be joining you next time or we'll join you after Christmas and so forth. What did do in your house? <laughs> and have peace of mind. You talk With about confidence. Peace of mind, right? Mm. On that yeah. point of a confidant, I just want to explore it maybe a bit further to, to ask, you know, how much of this, what we're talking about, the emotional intelligence that's needed and teaching people how to treat you within the family, how much of this is based on age in terms of that and the chronological standing then in the sibling line or in the sibling chain, for example, will we find those confidants are more the firstborn uh, members of the family or the older members of the family? And are we going to find that we're more lenient towards those last born or the younger ones? Mm. You know, I, I wouldn't really classify it in that regard. Uh, it's twofold. Mm. It's, it's quite a realistic question because indeed we do tend to gravitate to the one that is older because there's more wisdom, there's more understanding. And of course, there's eight. So usually in my trainings where we do emotional intelligence and, you know, executional leadership, we do speak about uh, the masks that we have. And one of the masks is called the firstborn uh, syndrome, who is a person, obviously, who is first in the family. However, they tend to save everybody else but themselves. So they don't really have a person to fall back on because they are the fallback plan. Mm. And there's a lot of pressure that also comes from that because who do you turn to? Um, but the, the weakness uh, of being in such a position is that you save everybody else, excuse me, but yourself. Mm. Uh, in particular, when you know someone is in trouble, perhaps you, you, you could say, no, it's fine, I can get you out of that. Uh, so you give them the last money, a petrol for the month and you sort of make a plan and I mean that is very good intentions and that's very good hearted but it's also not um, um, 
I don't want to say you know, intentional is the wrong word. It's also not, you know, realistic over time uh, because then people never understand your weakness when you fall apart. It's like, but how? We've never seen you cry or we've never heard you ask. So how are you asking me? So I would say in that respect, yes, it's an age thing because we feel a bit more safer. But once again, we find ourselves confronted by different uh, family dynamics mm. where you may find that the younger one could be mature or a bit more responsible uh, than the older one, you know. Um, so we gravitate to where we find our wisdom and where we find uh, some element of maturity. So, uh, for example, you could be the only child or you could be the middle child. But, you know, you bring them together. Uh, when there are issues, they call you. And um, you might be young, but your character is very mature. Um, and, and people tend to then gravitate to you for advice. So another thing to gauge is where is your wisdom or your counsel seeked and in what matters? Mm. And then you will see. And it's also like, for example, a business strategy that I use. That if your friend comes to you and asks you, wow, you know, the way you coordinate your clothes is amazing. I'm going to a wedding. Can you help me with that? Or, hey, man, you're a great writer. Uh, can you write this for me? That's actually where your money is. You know, that's where your strength is. So um, most of the time we gravitate to people that, one, are not just uh, mature from an age perspective, but also wisdom and, and where we seek our counsel from. Yeah. So we've also got to be very cognizant of um, approaches of that All nature. Right. Well, let's leave it there. We are out of time. We really appreciate you uh, speaking to us this morning. And I don't know if you are home, if you're planning to go home soon. Uh, no, no, no. We definitely will be uh, in, in, in Joburg. Okay. Um, when everybody rests, we work. When everybody works, we rest. Yes, I know exactly so, uh, what you mean. <laughs> we won't be dealing with any difficult social questions this festive season. <laughs> absolutely not. We'll see them in March. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank yeah. you so much, and, and please be safe then. We appreciate your time again, Tabang. Asanda, thank you very much, and thanks to your listeners for tuning in as well. Okay, Tavang Masiko, uh, mindset coach and uh, wellness facilitator. We're going to take a short break and then uh, go to trending topics. This is SFM Sound Awake.